Well, good morning again. Good morning to those in 101, 102. Good morning to those at home. And good morning here in the auditorium. So glad you're here this morning. Um, have you ever struggled, and I'm, I'm sure for every single person in the room, before we get into that real quick, um, just going real quick, sermon notes, um, if you want those, those are on our website, shilohroad.com slash notes, um, and then also our Shiloh Road Connect app. Um, Connect is down at the bottom, and if you'll hit that, and it goes to worship, and then sermon notes. I know several people had trouble finding it last week, so there that is real quick. If you want that on a device, it's there. So, have you ever gone through a time when holding on to faith was a struggle? And I'm guessing just this many people, um, that probably is going to be about 100% of us. Where, where you've gone through a time when it was difficult to hold on to faith. Um, and for many of us, it may have been within the last year where it got really difficult as a follower of Jesus. And for some of you, stuck at home every day for a month, several month period, and not being able to get out and see people and be encouraged by people might have been a really big struggle. Or you look out at the world and see the, the complexity and the difficulties in it, and you think, man, it's really tough to continue to have faith. And, and most of the time we look at doubt and we say, well, that's for people who are weak in faith. But one of the things we said this a few weeks ago, doubt is actually a prerequisite for faith. If doubt, if fear does not exist, then on some level it's not really faith. Because faith is believing and trusting in something that you cannot see. Something that has not yet happened. And so on some level, there is doubt, there is fear for all of us. And if you come here this morning kind of in one of those places where you're struggling to hold on, I want you to know you're not alone. All of us, all of us go through times where our trust and our faith is tested. And it is a struggle to keep going. It's a struggle to wake up and continue to follow. And maybe it doesn't mean we doubt God and his love for us and Jesus, but maybe what he's doing in our life. Maybe Satan is attacking you with lies. And it's so easy, the longer you hear those lies, it's so easy to start to really believe them. To allow them to define you. To allow them to, to tell you what your value and your worth is. I've been there. It's difficult. It's hard to keep going. And you have to understand for the disciples at this point of the journey, their following Jesus hasn't had huge costs. It hasn't been extremely difficult. 
they've followed Jesus and they've seen demons flee just simply at his presence and his name. They've seen people touch Jesus and be healed. They've seen Jesus touch people and be healed. They went through a storm that was pretty rough. And and it might be that that storm in the boat where they think they're going to die is the most traumatic point of their journey so far. Jesus has called them and said, follow me. And then several weeks ago, we began began the series, we began with this really, really pivotal point in Mark chapter 8. When Jesus asked this question to his disciples, but what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And so throughout this series, we're wrestling with this question, what are the implications of our confession that Jesus is Messiah? If we confess that as believers that Jesus is Messiah. Because the first series in this little sermon trilogy, we ask the question, who is Jesus? And we finally get to the answer from Peter. You are Messiah. And so now we have to deal with the implications of that confession. And so last week, after this declaration, we looked at Jesus calling his disciples to really... Um, great leaps of faith. He tells them that he's going to die, he's going to be crucified, and they're going to follow him on the road to this cross. And he tells them that they're going to have to take up their cross and follow him. So they go from this point of, of believing that Jesus is Messiah to finding out that this road is going to be really difficult. And Peter even getting called out because he questions how difficult this road will really be. And now, Jesus asked these disciples, these apostles, three of them, to follow him up a mountain. It says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were alone. There he was transfigured, transformed before them, His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before him Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter says to them, outspoken as he is, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say because he was frightened, as you could imagine. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. So there's this this moment which is supposed to look very similar to this moment with Jesus, or I'm sorry, Moses on the mountain with God. Where he goes up onto the mountain, he's with God, and God says, I'm going to cover you with the, my hand and hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to pass by. And Moses comes down the mountain radiant. And, and so in a way, there is this picture um, 
that is being painted by Mark. What's amazing in this story is God is not just simply saying, this is my divine son. Because this, this journey right here that they're on isn't necessarily for Jesus' benefit. This is for the benefit of the disciples, those who are going to follow him, so that they can be certain, not just simply Jesus' divinity, Jesus' Messiah, but that they can be certain of Jesus' vocation and purpose. As God looks at him, and he calls him his son, and says, I love him, now listen to him, continue to follow him. It is about a declaration of his purpose. And it was the purpose that was started by Moses and Elijah. That you were going to go and lead these people, my people, out of bondage. And you were going to set them free. And what Moses and Elijah could not complete, Jesus will. For these disciples, I I cannot imagine how confusing this time is. Right? They've been with Jesus, they were certain, they knew what was happening and how it was happening and how everything was unfolding. And then they say, yes, you are Messiah. And then Jesus says, okay, now things are going to get really difficult. Are you going to continue to follow me? Are you going to continue to be my disciples along this road? Because the road will not be as easy as it once was. Just before this section, there's a a story about a man who's blind. And Jesus heals him. First, only partially. He, He gets this glimpse. And he sees, it says, people walking around, but they look like trees. And then again, at Jesus' touch... His vision is fully restored. And there are these moments, I think, along the way where the disciples continue to see Jesus and their eyes continue to be opened as to who he is. And if we're really honest, for most of us, that is a perfect parallel of our journey as followers of Jesus. There are moments along the way where you get a little better glimpse of who Jesus really is. And your eyes are opened just a little bit more to the beauty. And here's the thing. For these disciples, they go up on basically an ordinary mountain on an ordinary day, and the ordinary is unveiled, and they get this glimpse, this beautiful glimpse of a world just below the surface that is breaking forth into a new day. It's a world that had been there the whole time, but they were incapable of seeing. I wonder how often our life is filled with these ordinary moments and bubbling up right beneath the surface 
is the beauty and majesty of Jesus on display for all to see if we could only slow down enough and open our eyes to see it. Because day after day, we awaken into this world. And day after day, we start to assume that this is all there is. That what we see is the totality of the reality before us. When in fact, there is a new world coming up right before our very eyes. And Jesus, filled with God's Spirit to the point that His entire presence is saturated with light. And this declaration, this is my Son. I love Him. Listen to Him. And suddenly, they looked around And they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And and we, we understand, like, right, we get the... The, the benefit of being on the other side. Right? We say that a lot. We get the benefit of knowing how the story ends. But for these disciples, along the journey, Jesus has spoken to them in secrets, basically. And he's talked to them in parables. And he said, I'm talking this way so that, that no one else knows what's going around. And, and so they have these moments where Jesus starts to transition where he's not talking in metaphors and he's not talking in parables, but he's talking really plainly. And we look back and say, well, what are you, why are you thinking that? Well, it's because they've been walking with Jesus all these years now. And Jesus has been talking in metaphor and he's been talking in parable and he's been hiding the meaning. And so when he starts talking real literal, they're like, huh. I wonder what he's talking about. Like, they don't get it. They don't get it. And I completely get the fact that they don't get it. Then, when they're coming down the mountain, um, the other disciples, this is verse 14, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers arguing with them. And so they've been up there. Jesus has been transformed. He's been, been transfigured. They're coming down the mountain. The other disciples meet them there. And as they meet them, there is a father who is desperate. And he's desperate because his son has been possessed by a demon. And he says, whenever this happens, it takes away his speech and it throws him to the ground. And he begins to go into these seizures and convulsions. And you get the sense that this father has tried everything. See, he's tried everything because he brought his son to Jesus' disciples and said, can you cast out this spirit? And the disciples tried and they could not. You have this desperate parent needing someone to help. Needing someone to bring healing. 
needing someone to step in and do what he was incapable of doing. And maybe, maybe you see the desperation of a father whose love for their child is so great that he would go to any lengths possible to help his children. Maybe you see this bigger picture of God who loves his children Israel, who has been possessed and gone off on their own and needs someone to step in to save them. And so they bring this, this, this child to Jesus. He says, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him to Jesus. And when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long? Has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us. And Jesus calls him out. He says, if if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. And you can think, well, how in the world could you go to Jesus and say, if you can? But, but just hit rewind and go back just a, a few moments earlier in the story. They have brought this boy to the disciples of Jesus to cast out the demon. And the disciples could not. And so this father, I think, in desperation says, if you can, please cast this demon out. And Jesus says, if, if you can, yes, I can, do you believe? And immediately, the boy's father exclaims, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Can you relate to his statement? God, I do believe, but right now is a struggle. God, I do believe, but right now everything's not lining up the way I imagined it would. God, I do believe, but the lies of Satan or a dark cloud over my head. God, I do believe, but right now, I don't see you at work. Please, help me with my unbelief. Help me where I struggle. You see, faith, I don't think, is a possibility for us until doubt and fear become a reality. 
when we find ourselves in that place where we're struggling to move forward, where we're struggling to get up and make it another day, where we're struggling to hold on to the promises of God, it's not till then that we truly have faith to say, God, I don't see where this road leads. I don't understand how we're going. I don't understand how it's all going to end and how we're going to get there because everything right now is not the way I think it should be. And that's when faith truly becomes faith. That's when we're taking a step where we don't see. Where we don't know, where we don't understand. And we're trusting that God is leading us on that journey. We're trusting that He has a bigger picture in mind than what we see. And sometimes we just need the ordinary, the everyday unveiled. We need a glimpse of God at work in this world. When Jesus saw the crowd, was running to the scene, He rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. And the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet. And he stood up. The the Greek here actually says this, but Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up to his feet, and he rose up. The the same word occurred just a little bit earlier in Mark chapter 8. It says, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen. Until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Mark here uses this resurrection language to point out that this boy, his life had been made new. That he had been raised. And after Jesus had gone indoors with his disciples, he asked them privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? Here's Jesus' response. This kind, this kind can come out only by prayer. See, apparently, there are different levels of demons. Apparently, there are different levels of demons because this kind, can only come out by prayer. We can assume that prayer was always part of the equation as Jesus was casting out demons. But this kind was going to take a new level of intensity, a new level of focus. It was going to require more of them. Because up until this point, the healing had been really easy. Jesus would walk onto the scene and demons would see him and shudder at his presence. Or he would speak a word and they would flee. But this time, 
this demon was sticking around. This demon would not go away easily. This demon was going to put up a fight, and it was going to take much more focus and much more spiritual energy and attention for something to happen. And how often is that true in our lives? How often are we battling an enemy bigger than us that doesn't yield so easily, that doesn't go away just simply when we pray one time, but it actually takes time begging and pleading God on our knees to cleanse us of it? How many people have battled addiction? And time and time again you've said, no more drinks. I'm done with this. And then you find yourself back at the same place you started. Or you've tried to break through that addiction to pornography. And time and time again you find yourself back again at the place you said you would never go. Or the lies would stop. Or the hate in your heart would go away. But so much prayer and so much energy that we put into it and it seems to still persist. But this kind, this kind takes a different level of discipline. This takes a different level of persistence. To break through the bonds and the grip of this spirit. And I wonder how formative were these moments for the disciples. You, you, you confess that Jesus is Messiah and Jesus says the road is going to get difficult. Right, because we all imagine the longer we walk with Jesus, the easier it's going to get. You're, you're going to become better at this as we go. But maybe it's not the way it's supposed to be. Maybe as you walk on that road, God is strengthening you and giving you greater faith so that you can go and fight bigger giants. So that you can go and face bigger battles. Because there's more in front of you than just simply what you see. We, we have this mentality that, that we are at peace. When the Bible constantly talks about the fact that we are at war. That we're battling an enemy that we cannot see, that we cannot comprehend, that we can't put our hands on. And a lot of times it feels like that enemy is winning the day. That enemy has gotten the better of us. And this enemy is going to take more persistence of faith and prayer and fasting and holding on just simply to make it. But how formative was this moment for these disciples, especially Peter, James, and John, with what they see and what they get to experience with God. Jesus has died. He's gone back into heaven. And there's a day when 
they are on their way to the temple to pray, James and John. And they see a lame man sitting outside the temple, beautiful, and he asks them for money. And Peter and John say, we don't have any money, but what we do have, we'll give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he stands up and walks, and everyone sees this. And everyone is transformed by this moment. And thousands more people begin to believe in Jesus and start to follow him. It's creating some problems because it says that the religious leaders, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking. And they were disturbed. They were disturbed at their words. And so they seized them. And they put them in prison. And they make them stand trial. And you wonder how formative these moments truly were? I want you to notice something. As they give their answers on trial. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Then he says this, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You wonder how formative these moments were. But I think it's quite obvious. They took note. They were astonished because they could tell these men had been with Jesus. I wonder if the same is true about you and I. I wonder if people can tell that we've been with Jesus. I wonder if they can look at our life and see that there's something truly different. Because we have been transformed through His transforming presence. That our life is now saturated with His light. And my encouragement to you today is no matter where you are in your journey, no matter how great a struggle faith has become, Spend time with Jesus. He is the only one who will carry us through those darkest days. He is the only one when we're struggling, when we're grasping and saying, I do believe, help me with my unbelief that truly has the power to unveil himself. So that you could see the radiance 
of his face. Father, we pray. Father, in these moments, that the light of your life, the light of your son Jesus, would transform us. That it would change us. Father, I, I know so many in here have struggled. Whether in their past or, Father, even right now in this moment, are struggling to grasp at something. Struggling to see you more clearly. And, Father, we proclaim. We do believe. But, Father, help us with our unbelief. Because, Father, today we're battling bigger demons. Different ones. Ones that don't flee so easily. Except through persistent prayer. Leaning on you. Leaning on your body, the church. To carry us in these times. Father, Fill us with your presence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we finish this morning, we're going to have some shepherds and, and ministry staff around the back of the auditorium. If we could help you, if you're struggling with your faith, if you're just grasping for something, we would love to talk with you, to share with you, to pray with you, whatever we can to help you as you follow Jesus. If you've never given your life to him, what a great opportunity to do that today. Whatever we could do to help you, we're going to stand. Our shepherds will be in the back. Um, please let us help you. Let's stand.